So our, our deepest apologies, <laughs> right? Yes. It has been a couple months, too, since our last roadcast. And there's two really good reasons for that, right, Jenna? There are two really good reasons for that, yes. Um, the first one, and the reason why we're sitting today, is because when we were in Vermont, we, as we were on our way into Vermont, um, our tow dolly blew a tire. And at that moment, we've been without the ability to be able to tow our Explorer behind the motorhome uh, since, since that time. And so it's been, oh man, a month and a half yeah. Now that we've been without that. And so when I'm driving down the road, typically Jenna's running everything for the roadcast. And since now she's got to follow in the Explorer, that kind of limits. Yeah, it limits the ability to be able to do that. So that's, that's one reason. But really the biggest reason has to do with the fact of the start of the school year, right? Yes, it's been busy. It has been quite busy. Yeah. yeah. So um, give everybody kind of like a real quick just road schooling, two kids you know, uh, now a 10-year-old and, you know, a 5-year-old. I mean, tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is called therapy. For me? Therapy for <laughs> yeah, me? Yeah, therapy for you. <laughs> um, well, I, it is, it's, it's a difficult challenge to try to balance that new, uh, the new uh, part of having two kids now that are homeschooled. And they're doing two completely different curriculums. And Caden is, is just starting school, so it's getting him in that rhythm of doing school, which is every day he's, it's not always that he wants to do school, so it's getting him in that moment and letting him um, do something that he likes so that he can have fun doing school. Um, so I stay quite busy, because um, I actually start Caden's school first, and then Raya's school, and then after that, Raya's got homework. So from about 9.30 till about, 3.30, it's nothing but school. And so, and that's every day, Monday through, well, at least Monday through Thursday. And so that, that takes up a bulk of my day. And then the evenings are usually, um, we have services or we're meeting with people from the area or pastors from the area or friends from the area. And so we stay quite busy or it, we're trying to see something it cool. It really has. It's been incredibly busy. And for those of you that have been following along, I mean, you've seen a lot of the pictures and different things, you know, that we've been able to post, but we haven't been able to do this. And it really hurts us because we love sharing these moments. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I know for those of you that kind of follow along, you like to kind of know what's been happening. And so uh, it really has been school. I don't think we were prepared for just how much that was going to take Jenna out of the picture. <laughs> so with the car not being able to be towed and then also with school happening at the same time, uh, I think you can understand there's been, been a little extra adjustment on that <laughs> end. <laughs> and so anyway, so now here we are, um, man, uh, coming into the close. Yeah, 40, the home stretch. 42 states. 42 states. 42 states. Um, I think I added up total with miles on the motorhome and on the vehicle. We're right at 47,000 miles. That's a lot. For the year. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a <laughs> lot. 42 states. Um, we're currently in New York, so right outside of New York City. Tomorrow we're going to go into the city, so you get to see some pictures and different things. You know, first time uh, I've been able to spend any time in New York City, and first time for the family to ever be in New York City. Oh, yeah. This is the first time I've ever been in the New England area. So, yeah, yeah it's been cool. Timed it just right, too, because we got to Maine, and it was peak fall yes. season. It was and beautiful. fall is huge for you, right? Oh, it's my favorite season, and I never get to see a true fall, especially living in Texas. We might get two weeks of fall. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, being able to be there when it's peak season. And then people said it wasn't even the prettiest fall that they'd had because it had been so dry. 
right? Dry? Yeah. Is that right? Um, and so the leaves weren't as vibrant, but I thought they were vibrant. I mean, I missed things on the road because I'm looking at the leaves. Yeah, we'd be driving through say, hey, we just entered into Vermont or New Hampshire. And she's like, where? I, I didn't see it. She was too busy staring at the leaves. I was looking at the leaves. Yeah, if you've never experienced a fall in New England, you have not experienced oh. fall. And it yes, is. it is beautiful. Yeah. It's breathtakingly beautiful. Not, not that I'm trying to push like you know travel plans or anything like that, but that first week of October, New England, it's a must. Put it on your bucket list. Go to Acadia National Park, which is where we, we were able to go into. Acadia runs right into the ocean, so you got the main rocky coast. You got the mountain. Mm -hmm. You can be the very first person to watch the sun come up. Um, you know, over Acadia, first person to watch the sun come up on the continental United States. This was a really neat place. And yeah. so yeah. we had a blast. We and did. so we've got a lot to catch you up on. A lot. A lot. A lot. And so uh, we, uh, I think our last road blog, we were leaving Indiana on our way into Kentucky. Got to go to Cane Ridge, to the Cane Ridge Meeting House, which that video has been posted if you haven't seen it. Phenomenal story that you got to watch. And uh, from there, we rolled up to Michigan where we got to spend some time with mm -hmm. Pastor Richard Crisco at Rochester Christian Church. And uh, mm -hmm. what, uh, what a time it was with them. Um, I, there seems like the moment that we left Cane Ridge, there just was this shift in ministry time and in what we've been able to see. Um, it's just we've, we've seen the power of God just moving radically in the altars. Uh, the message has been so well received from Michigan all the way up into New England and the mm -hmm. Northeast. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, this year we've seen thousands of people respond into the altar, hundreds uh, without a doubt that have recommitted or committed their life to Christ, you know, throughout this mm -hmm. year. And uh, Michigan was, you know, really special. It's a church that genuinely is in revival yeah. um, already. And uh, just an honor to be able to spend some time there and then to be able to connect from Pastor Richard's church to uh, Shane Bryant and Rachel Bryant's church in mm -hmm. Charlotte, Charlotte Assembly of God, uh, where uh, there was a revival conference. So I got to be with Pastor Richard, Paul Maurer, dear friend of ours, mm -hmm. you know, who graduated from the Brownsville Revival, um, does crusades across the, the nations mm -hmm. and especially in some of the harder to reach places. Church that, plants. Yeah, and church plants in places that nobody will ever go. Yeah. And so um, just a really fun season. And we come out of that into Toledo. And I have to tell you about Toledo because the coolest thing happens. We're in Toledo. And I give an altar call at the end of the service. You know, we were there for one Sunday, and um, this this lady moves forward, and her husband comes with her. They called her husband Big Tim, big guy. And Big Tim um, came forward to just be next to his wife. And he's the very last person. They stayed up there at the altar. I prayed for her, but he's the last person that I prayed for that morning. I'm just going through, and I'm, I'm you know, just lightly touching you know people and, and just praying for them and I put my hand on Big Tim's chest and he staggers back and grabs hold of the altar he's a big guy he staggers back and he grabs hold of the altar and you know braces himself like what was that and then he he he, he kind of looks at me and I said it's okay just let the Holy Spirit touch you and um, I, I begin to pray for him again and he just collapses there to the steps he just falls to the steps um, with tears streaming down his face. That next morning, I met Big Tim. You know, um, he was, he came into the church, wanted to spend some time with the pastor there, uh, Pastor Kevin Starr. And he's just sharing, you know, how that morning, he's like, I don't know what happened. He said, I don't know what happened. He said, it felt like my heart just opened up. And, uh, you know, he's just, he was completely transformed. His wife, family testified to that, that fact. And so here's what's really neat. Off of that, he gives his life to the Lord. 
is baptized the following week and then his entire family's baptized with him. And I just pa I spoke with Pastor Kevin just a few hours ago and he told me, he said, there's been something break out in the church since then. We've seen wow. so many people saved. And he said, we've got people being saved just off that testimony and what Come took on. place in Big Tim's life. And so that's the way we're, I said, there are people who understand um, what's happening there and they would call that revival. And uh, just from one Sunday passing through Toledo cool. and that was so incredible. And uh, I can think through a few times this year that we've been in those places where I literally watch with my eyes as that new creation just comes to life mm -hmm. in front of somebody. I mean, literally when you watch the darkness just fade and the light come on and you just feel heaven just invade that, that moment. You know, for those that have never experienced that, uh, for one, for having received salvation, my word, it's, you, you got to question that you know, what, what encounter you had with the cross. And then two, if you've never been there with somebody to watch them born again. It's really from death to life. Yeah, and you it watch is. it happen and it is just life-changing. Mm -hmm. You know, it puts a fire in you to where you want to see it again and again and again and again. And the reason why the fire, I believe, is out of the church is because we've lost that moment. Uh, we've made everything else a priority instead of just getting back to connecting the gospel to those who need it the most. Mm -hmm. And when that takes place, it puts life inside of the church. Revival takes hold and the church is turned around. And so we've got to get back to those places. And so, um, man, we had so much fun. They want us back in Toledo. Um, and uh, we, we leave from there. We come through just following along the Great Lakes and uh, end up in um, Oswego, mm -hmm. New York. That was a fun one, wasn't it? Yes, we said hi to Canada. That's how close we were. Got to see Niagara Falls. Yeah, we did. We did. So. You liked that one, didn't you? I did. I really liked Niagara Falls. That was really cool. Yeah. And then um, uh, in, in Oswego, we worked with the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. That was a surprise, wasn't it? It was. It was. And what the cool thing about that is the way that they contacted us would have been a year ago. So we had just sold the house. We were in preparation for figuring out the places that the Lord was going to send us to um, this year. So we kind of already had a calendar set for where we needed to be on certain certain dates or certain times of the year, certain months. And so we get an email from a pastor in New York asking us to come. And um, he wanted us to come in October. And uh, just so happens, but we know it was the Lord. But um, we had already been slated to be in New York in October. And um, he just randomly picked up the book in a bookstore. Yeah. And didn't, I mean, he didn't know us, didn't know anything about us, just picked up the book. It stirred him, set a fire in him, and he asked us if we would come. And so that's how that all began, which is cool in and of itself. And then for what God did there, yeah. you know, with the, with the group of people that was there was just incredible. You want to talk about a paradigm shift. Um, for one, I, I would have been reluctant originally to just say yes to a United Methodist Church just because, you know, our DNA and, you know, what, what I know of the traditional United Methodist, it just wouldn't seem like it would be a good fit. But I couldn't deny the fact I'm praying about New York the same moment that he contacts us and had the date slated already to be in New York that he's asking about. And I'm like, well, obviously we're supposed to be there. And so mm -hmm. I said yes to it, but at the same time having no clue what we're about to walk into. And uh, um, you want to talk about something that just blows your mind. Yeah. Here we are at this United Methodist Church. We've got a couple of Pentecostal churches that had shown up there, charismatic Catholics mm -hmm. that are there. I preach a hard message. The altars are filled. The power of God comes in. Um, just there's a silence in the room the charismatic catholics give a word in tongues and an interpretation <laughs> and i'm like wow how crazy is this you gotta love new england and uh, the northeast and so 
Um, what a what a phenomenal time mm -hmm. there. It was really powerful and. Uh, Again, a lot of great connections with churches. They want us back in that area. That's that's Charles Finney's area. That's the Second Great yeah. Awakening area. I would love nothing more than to come back into that area and just bombard it and see the power of God once again poured out on the streets and in the mm -hmm. cities and another Great Awakening. There really is something happening up in the new Northeast, in the New there England is. area. You know, that tired expression, the frozen chosen, you got to leave it behind because <laughs> I, I have not visited any ice boxes while we've been up here. Yeah. I've just met some really genuine, sincere people who love the Lord and, uh, you know, are doing some really phenomenal things mm -hmm. in their cities and really contending. And so, you know, we leave from there, we make our way up to Bangor, Maine. And uh, in Bangor, with the City Reach Church, it's a church that is growing literally by reaching people up off the streets, pulling the homeless, the, the, the drug addicts. I mean, literally, it feels like, I walked in there and I said, you know what? I said, I feel like I'm right at home. I, <laughs> I said, I am the wretch the song talks about. And everybody's yeah. like, yeah, because we all understand we're all, <laughs> we're all just wretches. We're all sinners saved by grace. Yeah. And uh, that was a radical bunch. And they have just taken their city upside down. They meet in the Bangor Mall, mm -hmm. which we did a, an interview there with a uh, uh, Pastor Seth and um, um, you know Bobby Bledsoe who helped found that church asked me to come up and be a part of that. It was so awesome to be able to see it on that mm -hmm. Sunday yeah. and then to jump down to Gorham, Maine to be with my family. Jenna got to meet the, the Kimball side of the family. Oh yeah. What do you think about Maine? Oh I loved Maine. I loved the people. I loved meeting your family. Um, there's just so much um, I think family is a good word, and it doesn't, not necessarily that it's a blood family, but that literally we were family there with the churches that we work with. And I think that's kind of been true everywhere we've gone, is just that aspect of people just welcoming and being like family. But um, I loved our time there. Yeah. I did. I did. And so um, we left from there, and then we made our way to uh, Rhode Island and... Massachusetts. Massachusetts. We were with His Providence Church, which is right there on the line of Providence, Rhode Island, and Seekonk, mm -hmm. um, Massachusetts. Uh, there with um, um, a good friend of ours, John Gagney, who was a roommate with mine. Yeah. You know, and then Pastor Zach. Um, just a f oh, incredible, <laughs> incredible team of people with a remarkable story. Uh, it's a church that literally has a foundation of prayer. Mm -hmm. They've been hard fought, a lot, of, a lot of things, you know, in the past that really would say, you know, that would have been against them, but they've, they've purposed in their heart to do things, um, you know, with a foundation of prayer, with humility, prioritizing the presence of God and families. And with that, they are growing a church that in six years, I mean, they're, they've outgrown the facility that they they're have. in. You couldn't put anybody else in there. There's <laughs> hundreds of people coming there. And again, I remind you, this is Massachusetts. This isn't what you think of. People think, mm -hmm. you know, stoic and religious. They don't think loud, vibrant, you know, and, and just incredible. But it's one of the highlights of the year, isn't it? Mm -hmm. What'd you think about it? Oh, it was, it really was incredible. And the thing that I love there is they have tons of families with tons of kids. Yeah. I mean, there's kids everywhere. So it's not just... It's not just a great church with a lot of people. It's a really healthy church because it encompasses the whole family. And um, they, they really are about family there. Um, and they do a lot of things for the family um, with, the, with the foster care system and, and different things like that. Um, it's just truly incredible. And the love that is in that, that building. You feel it. You feel it immediately. And again, it is that family atmosphere, but this one even goes a little bit deeper because of the adversity that they've had to come through. 
And so they've, they've really had to fight to keep everything together. Yeah. And, and that, that fight is in them and you, you feel that, but you don't feel the fight. You feel that the unity in that, that, um, trial through adversity and that's really forged them to be who they are. And, um, it's just, it's cool. Couldn't couldn't be any prouder. And, you know, you mentioned the, the foster, uh, and I think it's worth touching on a little bit of what they've been doing with the bags of hope, um, which I, when I heard about this, absolutely amazing just to hear the story and then some of our own family connection and how they just immediately reached out on that end of things. Mm -hmm. Tell what you know a little bit about the bags of hope. Um, so the John that we worked with there, um, they've actually adopted five children, um, and they're all through the foster care system. And one thing that they noticed is that all of the kids, you know, most of the times when they pick up their stuff from their, their location, it's often in a trash bag and not a lot of things that they can really hold on to that's theirs. And so that birthed in their hearts that they wanted to do something for, um, for the kids that they, they were able to connect with. And they would get them duffel bags and they would put their names on the monogram, um, embroider their names on the, on the duffel bag so they can put the things that belong to them um, in that bag so that they had a sense of something that this was this was mine and so they have done that and it has grown and um, and I know the state of Massachusetts and the state of Rhode Island and I, th I think even Connecticut are looking to them um, they've really done a lot within the states and the foster care system that the state is looking to them and asking them you know how is this happening and they said it's because of the local church because their church has gotten behind it and other yeah. churches in the area that are supporting it and they're really making a difference in that foster care system where even families in the church that are fostering and not even fostering but fostering to adopt yeah. and so they're really pulling kids out of a hopeless situation and giving them hope and this is one of those places where the church in the past has failed and still continues to fail but we can we can really step in and be a great benefit to our uh, you know our local cities. Uh, the cities are literally hurting because they've got nowhere to put kids. That you know, uh, I mean, come on. As a church, we champion and we talk about you know saving the life of a child. And then whenever a mom chooses not to abort or what, like, you know, a lot of times these moms are in just really desperate places and they can't take good care of their kids, and so they end up as a you know uh, in the possession of the state. And then the state has nowhere to send the kids. Mm -hmm. And you start going through the stories and you see what that produces. And here you have great families inside of so many churches across the nation that if they would just open up one room in their house and foster a child, you know, that, that's, that's giving that child hope. And to watch this organization, which has been tremendous in getting that message into the churches, and then at the same time also giving some really nice touch points to those kids, mm -hmm. we shared a little bit of the story of our own personal family and some of the mm -hmm. things that we have immediate and um, you know some that are uh, currently fostering. And the moment that they heard about what's happening in our family, they immediately created two duffel bags with some really neat little items in mm -hmm. it, monogrammed their names on it, and had them for us the next day yeah. to be able to deliver to <laughs> our family. Yeah. You know, whenever we're able to see them here in a couple weeks, and so just awesome. I would encourage you, uh, you know, to really check out the bags of hope um, and you know a little bit of, we'll post some of the storyline mm -hmm. of what's happening there at his providence church and how that fits in and how you can be a part of that i'd love to see that thing go nationwide oh absolutely and watch it absolutely. happen with the church over the over this past year i've been exposed to a couple different ministries that are doing an awesome job in being able to help take and i hear the same thing the state's like we need help and this is one of those places that the moment you step up to the plate, you suddenly begin to realize the need's huge and there's an openness to genuinely do true ministry. Yeah. yeah. And so that's awesome. 
I mean, just absolutely awesome. awesome. That just puts some extra fuel in the tank as, as you're moving on down the road, right? Yeah, it does. It <laughs> yeah. does. And so that's where we just highlighted the trip. And so now here we are right outside of uh, New York City. And yeah. almost we, we got a few more states to go on our way down. We'll end up in South Carolina Thanksgiving. Yep. Yep. You ready for that? I am. I am. You know what everybody wants to know. What's next? Everybody wants to know what's <laughs> next. Are you ready? Here's the big announcement. Are you ready? Here's what, I don't know yet. <laughs> We'd like to know that answer too. <laughs> oh, what, what, looking back at this year, what do you think? What's, what's been some of the? Oh, wow. That's a really tough question. Um, <clears throat> help me out. Like, what are you really asking me? I'm like, just, uh, you, as you reflect on the year so far. Because, I mean, seven, I mean, three, what, three-fourths <laughs> of it's done. I know, I know. I mean, there's so many different aspects, you know, of, of, this, of this past year, looking at, you know, church, looking at ministry, looking at uh, the nation, looking at even our family. You know, there's so many different things that... How's it been for the family? Well, I think it's been fantastic. I mean, I think that the, the opportunity that we have to not only... Um, travel the nation, but being together doing it and creating some really awesome moments um, uh, as a family to be able to experience things that, you know, we've only kind of dreamed of doing. And then at the same time, um, exposing our kids to uh, so many different people and ministries that, that are just really on fire and allowing them to see God working, you know, outside of their own little bubble of what they were used to, you know, the, the Sunday and Wednesday that we would always do before. And that's just kind of what you know. But until you actually break out of that and, and see the nation, um, I think it's going to really shaping their, their worldview. Yeah. Um, it's shaping my worldview, you know, because f for so long you think this is how everything works and this is just how it how it is in your area or in your location or, or region or whatever when um, you can broaden that and, 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 and meet people outside of your normal sphere and um, and see the different creative things that God is doing and how he's moving across the nation I think has just been really eye-opening for me yeah. and just allowing me to have a better understanding of the the big picture of the church. That's it, the big picture, you know, and I think that's more than anything this year has been big picture. It's it's getting this national scope, you know, of you know, really the nation because you've gotten to spend time in all of the nation. You know, I, you know, when you're some places you're there for a week, you know, we've been able to spend a few little extra extended maybe adding a week to one location where we we're able to hit a couple states inside of that. But you do get a good cross-section mm -hmm. across the country and, you know, to see the church. And one thing that I definitely is very guilty of, um, and it may not apply to anybody else but just me, but, you know, just growing up, you tend to think that your little section of the world, your church, is going to be the answer for everything, that everybody needs to come to you, you mm -hmm. know, to get what you have because you've got the answer. And if they would just follow what you're doing, you know, <laughs> that it would, it would transform and it would save the world. Um, but you, you come across the nation and you begin to realize that, as you said, a lot of amazing churches, amazing people, um, you know, who love the Lord and love their nation and they're doing things, some people, they're doing things differently mm -hmm. and it's meeting needs in their, their community. 
Um, and it's, it really is, you get this global picture that the church really is there in America and the church really is at work. You may not see it, but the church is at work. There is this, this remnant, this underground swell in the nation. I've got great hope for just the network that God has just by His providence, you know, just spread across the nation and what the coming years potentially could look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has, it, it's, been, it's been great. Um, and then also add to that, that, you know, getting to meet people who aren't in the church. Right. And begin to realize that, you know, we're, we're, more, we're more alike than we are different. Right. From different cultures. And the neat thing about being in, you know, especially right here, we're in a motorhome uh, park and, uh, or RV park. And you meet people as they're out and just about and walking around and, um, some people, you know, they've embraced the full-time lifestyle because, you know, of economic reasons. Some because they want to travel. Um, some, you know, they're retired, they're older up in life, you know. And so you see this, this cross-section of different people. Um, they're more open to talk to you uh, because it's kind of its own little community. And so you really get to hear and see, you know, people that are totally different from yourself. We've had more ministry opportunities <laughs> just out and about. Yeah. You know, whether it's taking care of clothes, um, you know, in the laundromat or, you know, um, sitting by the just campfire. sitting out by the campfire, mm -hmm. which we have thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah. I got a campfire thing whenever we were in uh, Michigan. Michigan called a solo stove bonfire. <laughs> oh, I love Changed it. Changed his life. It is. A, it's the <laughs> best thing that I have bought this year. Um, and I had, oh, I had to put it off and had to come up with a million different excuses <laughs> on why I can make this affordable because it's not cheap. Um, I think it's like $2.99. And I had some birthday money that I had not spent and I'd been holding on for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And then they had a, a sale on it, you know, which knocked another $45 off. So then I'm like, it's only $150 into this fire pit. And that's about right <laughs> from what you'd go and spend on one. And so I splurged a little bit, but man, I love it. Oh, it's way cool. It is. It is great. It, it looks like it's this. It's the perfect marshmallow roaster. It is. <laughs> it is. It'll, and it'll, we know because we've eaten a lot of s'mores. Yeah, we've been. And I, here you go. A little tip before we're done. I'm going to tell you how to make the perfect s'more. Some of you may already know this, but for those of you that haven't tried it, <laughs> you're going to want to do this tonight. Um, so the solo stove, it's, we just so got off <laughs> of track to talk. Sure did. You see how much I love it. Um, it looks like a big steel drum. Mm -hmm. Some people have said it looks like an old washing machine drum, which I've seen people do that. But the way that it's engineered, it pulls air in from the bottom and it has a double burn to it. And so you'll see the fire at the bottom and then the flames come off the top of it and it's smokeless. And so you can sit out by the fire and then go into the motorhome afterwards and, and you don't smell, smell like, like smoke. Or you can sit around the fire and not have to move because you keep getting smoke face. Yeah. I mean, that's what they call it, smoke face. You don't have smoke <laughs> right in the face. And so, and it will flat out roast a marshmallow in like 30 seconds flat. Yep, if you get that right there at that sweet spot. I mean, it's just, yep. it, it's golden. And so, um, anyway, so then we've been experimenting with the s'mores. <laughs> the other night we are sitting in Maine. It is a gorgeous night, crystal clear, the um, um, Orionid meteor shower like is taking place. It's pristine sky, no moon, and no lights. Mm -hmm. And so we sat outside and we watched, you know, I, we, I saw seven, you saw a couple that I didn't see. And mm -hmm. so, you know, about 10 to a dozen meteors just in the time that we're sitting outside mm -hmm. um, roasting marshmallows. But what's the magic? What's, what's the secret sauce? <laughs> what, what makes, what's the epic, awesome, like you're gonna wanna try this? Like this is taking your your s'more to a whole nother level. 
Instead of using just a regular Hershey chocolate bar, you use a Reese's cup. That's it? Yeah. Just a Reese's cup? Yeah. It's a game changer. It is a game changer. Because you get the ooey gooeyness of the marshmallow, you get the, the sweetness from the chocolate, and then you get that added bonus of the peanut butter in between the grams, and it's just money. It is. It's I have really no good. clue what the calorie count is, so don't ask me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Please. But I will tell you that it is off the charts amazing. <laughs> and if you get those fat, square marshmallows. Oh, yeah, the ones that are like, they're actually like. Like the, the, the exact size I think shape. they're called s'more marshmallows. Yeah. yeah. The ones that like, they're huge. <laughs> they're huge. Yep. But they work really good. So you do that those. with like two, you know, like the two grams. So you get the perfect square, and then you put like the square marshmallow. Well, obviously you got to roast the marshmallow, you know, and get it just nice and perfect. And the thing that you've got to do is with those, they're so big that you've got to slow roast them because you need that heat to get all the way into it to where it's ooey gooey. And if you fail, you start to pull it off, and you pull a big chunk right out of the the marshmallow, and then it's no good. So you've got to you know, really make sure that you get that inside nice and gooey so that whenever you pull it off and then put that Reese's cup, and we found like the the ones that they were selling during the, the fall season, the, like the, the pumpkins. little pumpkins, like they were the right size. They were perfect, yeah. Because the Reese's cups are just a little bit too big. And they're, themselves. Ri they're rigid. That, yeah, they don't work yeah. quite as well, but those ones that they were selling, like the, like the little pumpkins, you know, so you then you put that on there and you smash it up. Oh. See, and at Christmas time, they're going to come out with the Christmas tree ones, so those will be really good too. <sighs> So, yeah. I see plenty of s'mores in our future. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> the kids love it, too. Yes, they do. So, there you go. It's been half an hour, hasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. It goes like that. Um, we apologize for taking this long to be able to update you. It has been incredible over the last couple months in the things that we've been able to see and do. Um, God's blessing has been so tremendous. Like I said, once we left Kentucky after having spent some mm -hmm. time at Cane Ridge, and maybe maybe there was something significant there, but going into the old Cane Ridge meeting house, and again, you need to watch that video. That story is just, Incredible. oh, it, it's, it's perfect. Um, that one and then the story of Charles Finney, the Second yeah. Great Awakening, those are two worth really looking at, you know, that we've, we've put out in the last month that I, I believe hold keys you know, to true, genuine reformation mm -hmm. and awakening, which is what we're all contending for. Um, I would really look at both those and, you know, just just let that get into you. Um, that's what we're praying mm -hmm. into. You ask, you know, what what's next? We don't know. We really don't know. We know that we are parking um, at Thanksgiving. And, you know, for the most part, we'll have from Thanksgiving to Christmas, we just are going to be there in South Carolina resting. It's been a, it's been a very tiring year. We're looking forward to just unplugging. <laughs> yeah. um, but during that time to really pray and seek the face of the Lord uh, mm -hmm. about what the next part is of the season and the next part. I don't want to just do something for the sake of doing it. Don't want to just do things on repeat. The church, my word, is, is guilty of just putting things on repeat. Uh, we want to be strategic. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, this, this next part of the journey, um, you know, it's going to look different from this, this year, but we've learned so much this year that I can't also just neglect it and leave it behind. I do know that moving forward, there are some areas around the United States that we're paying really close attention to, that we feel just this unusual grace, and I feel like revival, true, genuine, you know, um, like extended, not just weeks, but extended 
moves of God mm -hmm. uh, will be taking place. Yeah. And so yeah. we're praying into that. A lot of great opportunities. So keep us in your prayers as yes. we are praying about what's next. And we're keeping you in our prayers, uh, especially as we're coming in towards the end of the year, right? Yeah, absolutely. What we do know is that we can't go back to what's normal. Not going back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving ahead. Yep. I'm here to declare think, to you. I think that but the past is over in you. Go ahead. Just have your own concert, please. <laughs> All things are made new. <laughs> I'm what? Moving, moving forward. Close enough. Close enough. Did I get it? Well, you missed a line, but that's okay. Yeah, that's You're right. forgiven. At least you got all the words right. That's, that's the important part. The message is there. The there message is there. <laughs> but I mean, that, you know, I, but that's part of who we are too. Like, we just, um, we don't like to be stuck in a rut. Yeah. We don't like to be stuck in doing the same old, same old thing. Um, and I, I mean, I believe that God is really. Um, giving people creative ideas and in, in moving forward and how to how to unconventional ideas maybe that's the better the better word oh, that's know. good unconventional yeah. ideas to um, advance the kingdom did you hear that she just prophesied over you <laughs> well because that. because everybody is so unique you know um, you can't try to put people in a box because yeah. God can't fit in a box and he's a very creative God and so he has given us that ability to create and to um, to be unconventional in our thinking. I mean, if you just look at the scripture, there's a lot of things that he did and he used people to do that were very unconventional. And great victories um, um, lied ahead when they did that. So that's what I'm believing for. Amen. And I'll take that as a prophetic word, not just for us, but for you. Mm -hmm. um, he is, he is releasing the unconventional ideas. Don't be afraid of the radical random thoughts that pop into your mind. Who knows, maybe that's that next big step of faith that you need to take that launches you into the next that God has for you. And it could be life-changing, not just for you and your family, but for the nation. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you on the trail of fire, right? We will. See you soon.